Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Exodus. The Old Testament book of Exodus and Exodus in chapter number 35. Exodus in chapter number 35. As we've been traveling with Moses and the children of Israel, they have arrived at Mount Sinai. They've received the Ten Commandments. They've run into a couple of ventures, but they've watched God provide Moses has just received the plans for the tabernacle and now they are preparing for the next nine months to be constructing this tabernacle based off the blueprints, the plans that God has provided Moses. And this is the context of where we found it that Moses has come back with this plans. Now let's see how they're going to institute and start constructing this tabernacle. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in Exodus chapter 35. Exodus 35, and notice with me in verse number 20. Exodus 35 and verse 20, the word of God says this, And all of the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone whose his spirit made willing, And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for his service and for his holy garments. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted, and they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and and all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. And every man of whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins and brought them. And every one that did offer an offering of silver and brass brought the Lord's offering. And every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service brought it. And all the women that were wise hearted did spin with their hands and brought that which they had spun, both blue and purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. And if you're in the habit of marking things, uh, sorry, continue to go on. Verse 26, and all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom spun goat's hair. And the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. And the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Exodus chapter 35? Exodus in chapter 35, and notice the phrase in Exodus 35 and verse 21, where it says, the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle. The Lord's offering to the work of the the tabernacle. And with the Lord's help, we want to talk about this exact subject here. The Lord's offering 
to the work of the tabernacle. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. A God who is so worthy of our worship. So worthy of our adoration and praise. So worthy of our giving. So worthy of looking unto you. I'm asking that as we go through this passage that you would give me unusual wisdom and discernment. That you would give me unction from the Holy One to be able to communicate and explain this from the Bible in such a way that's easily understood. That people can understand the motives that we have that are clear and pure and trying to be towards you. Again, I don't want to be in the way and I don't dare teach this in my own self and my own flesh. So the best I know how I surrender myself to you now and ask that you fill me with your spirit. That I'd be dead to my goals, my ideas, my desires, the things I want to get accomplished. And that it could be just you and what you want to get accomplished. Again, thank you that we could depend and trust in you. And Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, here we could see as they're preparing to construct the, <coughs> the tabernacle that they have to get the supply somewhere. Now, let me give you a warning ahead of time that this is going to be talking about giving. Now, every time I talk about giving, we have someone new who is joining with us who has never, uh, who never been here. And what happens is that the first time they hear, of course they're going to hear a message on giving, and they fall into the thing, well, those churches, all they do is they talk about giving. Every time I hear a message, talk about giving. Well, I want to tell you that that's not true here. What we do is we just take the text, we read the text, we apply the text, and <laughs> we move on. And that this is just happens to be next up. And if someone's listening for the first time, I'm sorry, this is what's next up, but we have to preach the whole counsel of God. I can't skip something just because I don't feel comfortable or I don't like it. I have to preach what the Bible says. And by the way, this is an important idea. Where did they get the materials for the tabernacle? Which is the first thing I want to ask you. I want to ask a couple of questions. This is the first question. Where did the building supplies come from? Where did the building supplies come from? So notice, if you don't mind, what happened here. Verse number 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone who his spirit made willing, and they, who's the they here? This is the people of Israel. They brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. <coughs> And for his service and for the holy garments. And they came both men and women as many were willing hearted. And brought bracelets. And it goes on and explains all the things that came. Where did the supplies come from? Well they came from the people of Israel. They willingly gave the supplies that was needed to build the tabernacle. Now <coughs> this bodes <coughs> a great question here or a thing that comes up. Sometimes when people are saying, I'm praying for finances, I'm praying for this bill, I'm praying for this. Sometimes I imagine, I don't know what they're thinking, but the way that they talk is that they're praying, they're expecting that they wake up the next morning and in their backyard is a money tree. <gasps> Look and see! Look, I can pick up all the money that I want. Is that how God supplies? Sometimes maybe I think in their mind that I'm praying for finances. I'm praying that God would pay this bill. That they have in mind that what's going to happen is that they're going to walk outside and it begins to rain money. 
I'm sure that happens all the time wherever you're at. It doesn't happen to me, but I'm sure that you walk out and then you just 20s are coming down, 100s are coming down on a good day. and Almost like in the old-fashioned roller skating rings. That's what we used to do when we were kids. And they would have that little vault. They would lock them in and they would have the money blowing around and you'd have to grab as much as you can. <coughs> Excuse me. Sometimes I imagine that's what people think, that that's where they're going to supply from. Maybe, perhaps, they're going to be walking along and they're praying, All right, God, supply. God, I want you to supply. And they turn around and there's a briefcase. There's an envelope. And look, it has no one's name on it. Look at what God has done. Sometimes I don't know what people are thinking about when they're saying, God, I need you to supply. But how is it that God supplies for his work? You know what God does? He uses human instrumentality. He uses people to give and to supply and fund his projects. What they did is they gave an offering. Now, if we're going to define our terms, we need to define our terms. That we know that there are certain types of giving. We know that there is a tithe. The tithe is 10%. The tithe was given before the law. By the way, this is before the actual giving of the law, speaking of the tithes. And tithing was already a custom at this time. We know that giving is talking in the New Testament. So it's not just a law type thing, but it is 10%. And uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but it is 10%. And remember, the tithe already belongs to the Lord. You do not give a tithe. You bring the tithe. It's already God's. You're not giving anything. God says, I have 10%. You take the 90%. What we're talking about in this passage is an offering, meaning that this comes from our 90%. This is something we give above and beyond the tithe that we're giving above and beyond for the purpose of funding God's work, for him using us as an instrument to supply for his project here. Now, for the tabernacle, notice a lot of the things that have to be supplied. We know that there's metals. The Bible here talks about gold and silver and bronze. For God's tabernacle, fabrics have to be brought. Fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, badger skins. We know that there has to be um, natural materials. There has to be wood, oils, spices, precious stones that were given. But this was a type of giving that no one was left out. The Bible says here, men and women gave. Anyone who is willing-hearted. There were some that may not be able to give all of these other things, but they could supply the work, and work was needed also in this. And so they offered their work. And so here we have the tabernacle that was set aside that needed to be built, and God had Moses said, all right, now we're going to build the tabernacle. And what happened is that the people were used of God to supply. Where does God supply for even our local church? The same principle, as I mentioned before, that we don't have any government support. We don't have any other churches supply. How do we keep the lights on? How do we uh, pay the bills? How do we have a good testimony with the things that were going on? Through the faithful giving of God's people. God uses human instrumentality to supply for his works. How do Bibles get printed and sent out? By human instrumentality of God's people giving to his work to help supply so Bibles can be purchased, made, created, 
and sent out. You also have to have laborers. You have people that put together. We have a place called Bearing Precious Seed in Oshkosh where they actually print Bibles. And you could go there any day during the week. And what you find there is you find a bunch of people who volunteered who drive all kinds of distances to come help put together Bibles. People have volunteered their time. By the way, time is very precious. And they volunteer their time to help put together Bibles. People have volunteered uh, their finances to help supply for God's work. This is how God supplies to get his things gone. Now, I would love to have a money tree. If you could figure out how to get one of those. I mean, that would be nice and easier. But then, we, you know what would happen? We wouldn't have to depend on God by faith. You know, when someone gives an offering to the Lord, they have to trust God that God is going to honor it and take care of it. But another thing about God's using people is that little is much when God is in it. Oh, it is amazing how God can use just a little bit and stretch it out with his blessing. God is a great God. So that brings me another question. We started with the question here of where did the building supplies come from? Well, the answer is, is that God's people gave willingly to supply for God's work, to supply for what God was getting accomplished. The next question, where did the people get the supplies? Now, they do not have Walmarts where they're currently at. They don't have Home Depots. They don't have a Menards. You know what? These people don't even have jobs. They don't work a nine-to-five job. They're not checking in, checking out. They don't even have banks. Where do they get the supplies? Well, let me tell you, it's the same place that God gives us our supplies. He takes care of it. You know what happened? As they were leaving Egypt, as they were walking out, God supplied. Notice with me in verse 21, and let me point this out here, and then we'll chase something else down. In verse number 21, And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, and everyone who his spirit made willing, they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation. What these people recognized is that their finances, their supplies had came from God in the first place. May I show it to you? Turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 12. In Exodus chapter 12, of course, the people are leaving Egypt because God has sent the 12 plagues upon them. And then the last plague, the um, death of the firstborn has already hit. And the Egyptians are ready to get rid of these troublesome Hebrew people. They're tired of the plagues. They're tired of the things going on. So much so, notice what they did. The people of Egypt did. Exodus chapter 12, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed, or they asked from, the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave people favor. Notice this, it's the Lord that gave people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. So that they, the Egyptians, lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. The Bible goes on and says a little bit later that they took everything. And so where did they get the supplies in the first place? They did not originally have it, but God supplied it for them. And now as they were good stewards of what God had given them, they now give these supplies to God's work for God to get things accomplished. 
You know where we get our finances from? You say, I work hard for it. Very good. And you know what God has done is he's provided you health. He's provided you a job. He's provided these things so you could work and earn finances. He's the one that's provided this for the first place. There is nothing in your life or your work life that is separate from God. He gives you oxygen to breathe. He provides you the health and strength. He's given you the job. He's provided for your employer to be able to pay you. God has already done all of these things. You know what happened? God is the God who is timeless, who is outside of time. He already knew he was going to have them build the tabernacle. And he already knew how he was going to supply everything that was required for the tabernacle. And so he gave it a year earlier. This is already, eh, maybe not a year yet, um, several months into it. Several months ago, he had already supplied everything he was going to need to his people for an offering and for the tabernacle he was going to do later. Do you know how God supplies for tying exactly in the same thing, how he supplies here? Is that God has provided for you his finances. And now he's asking you to be a wise steward of what God already owns. The Bible talks about in the book of Ezekiel, God owns all the gold. He owns the silver. In the book of Psalms, it says that he owns all the, pl- all the animals. He owns everything. He owns the cattle of the thousand hills, the wealth at every mine. He even owns the taters underneath the hills. He owns it all. He made it. He created it. Nothing happens without him. It is his in the first place. One of the fun things that I enjoy as a pastor is when we have an offering where kids get to be involved. And you know where the kids get money from? They didn't earn it and make it themselves. They give it to someone else. And so they recognize that the money that they give, for example, we have a penny war. They love penny wars. So they take the pennies. They beg for pennies. Oh, can I get some pennies? And so they come, get some pennies. And you know what happens when they come to the offering? When they put it in, they don't go, wait, wait, mine, mine. You know why kids don't do that? Because they recognize it's not theirs. They're giving away someone else's money. Well, we don't own anything. God owns it all. When people try to hold on to something, it's not really theirs in the first place. God wants us to be types of people that he can trust us with his finances, knowing that we will use it wisely for his glory and for his honor. Basically, we live a life that's palms up. That God, everything I have is available to you. You pick whatever you want. That helps us so much in life And it allows us to be trustworthy with God. You know why some people are able to have more finances? Because God could trust them. You know why some of us don't have as much finances? Because we can't be trusted with it. God gave you a million dollars. What would you do with it? Well, you start saying, well, I could do this and I could do this. And then how much of it would be given for the Lord's? You understand? Can you be trusted with finances? Can you be trusted with what God already has to finance? He wants to use human instrumentality. He wants to use you to be involved in God's work. Little is much when God is in it. But this is how God supplies. He wants to use human instrumentalities to be good stewards. And so we start off with the question of where 
did the building supplies come from? Well, they came from God's people. Then we come for the question, where did the people get it? How did they get it? Well, God gave it to them. They didn't do anything to earn it. God just gave it to them with the expectation that they would be good stewards. Here's another question we have. How did the people give the supplies? How did the people give the supplies? Notice back with me in Exodus 35. And I want you to notice a phrase that pops up over and over within these nine verses. Notice this within these 10 verses. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up, meaning that God stirred him up. Notice this. And everyone who, whom his spirit made willing. Notice in verse 22. And they came, both men and women, as many as were willing-hearted. Notice with me in verse number 29. And the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart made them willing. How did God expect them to give? With a willing heart. With a willing heart. God doesn't want to be mean. He's not going to force it or pry it out of your hand. What he wants us to do is give it willing. You say, how is it that I can be willing? Well, you're recognizing all that God has done for me. How can I do less than give him my best and live for him completely after all he's done for me? He's been a great God to me. You see, I'm giving not because I'm trying to get something from God. I'm giving because of what he's already done for me. He's already done so much. Let me show you a couple passages in the New Testament. Notice with me 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Now I know that we talk about finances. It's not the funnest thing. But it is necessary because God loves a cheerful giver. Let me prove it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9 and notice with me in verse number 7. Notice this. Every man according as he purposed in his heart. Notice again, this is a heart matter. This is where it starts from. Remember the passage in, in Exodus, we saw that they were willingly hearted. Their heart was willing. Every man as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. Notice that word necessity. I'm not giving because I have to. I give because I want to. God has been a great God. It's the motive that you have. That when you're thankful for God. It's not a big deal. To say God what would you have me to do. And just be obedient to it. God will supply. I don't have to worry about that. God will supply. He'll take care of it. I just get to be thankful that God trusts me enough and he can use me. He wants to use me. He is a great God. And he wants us to do it where we're willing. We're cheerful. It's not a drudgery. Fine, I guess I'll give if I have to. Well, then you have the sin of begrudgingly. God says, I want to use you. I want to use you as a human instrument. Notice the chapter before, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it's specifically talking about um, the church of Macedonia. Um, in fact, notice with me, let's give a description of this church in verse number two, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. How in the great trial 
of affliction and the abundance of their joy. And notice this, their deep poverty. So we're talking about the churches of Macedonia and they were in deep poverty. By the way, the people in Egypt or the children of Israel, they didn't have full-time jobs. They didn't have a place where they were continually getting resources. They were in deep poverty. Notice this, they were deep poverty, abounded to the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, and yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So here it's talking about this. Specifically, they're giving to the Apostle Paul for the help of the uh, gospel ministry. And this church says they gave not just to their power, but beyond their power. They're in deep poverty. So what we're talking about is people sort of like us. Now, in this church, unless I'm mistaken, we don't have any millionaires. In fact, may I say, in this church, we don't even have thousandaires. But you know what? We have people who are willing to use of God, and God can supply by using people as we, as we just give little as much when God is in it. God could do that, that we could watch God use and use as an instrument. But notice with me where I'm running to. It's talking about the churches in Macedonia. Notice as it goes back and describes this in verse number 12. For if there be first a willing mind. Notice this word willing pops up over and over and over. This is not a forced thing. By the way, this is an offering. It is a voluntarily giving. First of a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to what he hath not. So here, God's not asking you to give what you don't have. He's not trying to say, forget paying all your bills and give everything. God says, no, I'm asking you just to give the little that you have and I can spread it out. I want you to pay your bills. I want you to pay your light bill. I want you to pay your house. You should have a good testimony with all these things. But God can use those other things, but it's a willing mind. When someone gives by spirituality, and by the way, this whole passage here is talking about that they're having to trust God. God, I don't know how you're going to supply, but I'm trusting you. I'm depending upon you to meet my needs as I'm being obedient to what you've told me to do. If God moves and says, you know what? You need to give the $20 in your wallet. But, but I had something planned for that. God says, I've got plans for that too, and I'll take care of you. That's giving spiritually. I'm giving out of obedience to God. There is much liberality. That's the word that was used a little bit earlier in verse number two. Under the riches of their liberality. That what happens that when you are willing to give and be obedient to God. It's no problem to give. Because you know what God does is he takes care of those things. My pastor, my home pastor gives this story and account. That he was at a missions uh, conference in his church once and. And he had plans to buy him a new pair of shoes. He needed it for work. It was a necessity. He needed it. But while he was there, he watched as a missionary has, was praying on his knees. And he noticed that there was a hole in the bottom of the missionary's shoe. And God had spoken to him in the pew and said, you need to buy the uh, missionary shoes. And when he started arguing with God, you can almost see in your mind he's covering his wallet. But God, I needed shoes. God says, no, no, you, I've got things taken care of. You take care of the missionary. But God, you know, we, again, we imagine, 
Well, if he's going to supply for the missionary, the missionary, the shoes are going to be made in the middle of the night. Little gnomes and elves are going to come and they're going to sew it. I mean, what do we think sometimes? But God wants to use human instrumentality. And so God is talking to a human, my pastor before he's my pastor, saying, go buy that missionary shoes. But, but God, I needed shoes. No, you take care of them. And you know what happened? He took care of the thing, took care of the missionary, went, took them out, bought shoes. And ever since then, going well on 30 plus years, my pastor has never bought a pair of shoes for himself. God has always supplied for him, of course, using human instrumentality. But my pastor's never bought his own shoes in 30 years now because God took care of him. God wants to use human instrumentality. He was a blessing to someone else. So God says, guess what? I'm going to use others to be a blessing to you and take care of your needs when those come up. Isn't it amazing what God can do and how God can supply? He uses human instrumentality. But here it came by spirituality. I'm being obedient to what God told me to do. And so I'm willing to give knowing that God is good and God is worth it. And I can trust that God will supply my needs. And so they gave. As we go back to the book of Exodus, turn with me to Exodus chapter 36. Exodus 36. So they call for this offering and people give. They give gold and silver. They go linens. They give of themselves. There are people who are working. They have ladies who are sewing the uh, linens together, sewing the garments together. We're going to see someone tonight God is going to use to actually craft all of the gold and put it together and to put all the, the nuts and bolts and the prettiness into it. To help carve the instruments, the candlestick and everything else. Uh, so we have people who gave of their work and they were willing to give of it. That's what they had to give and so they gave of it. But notice what happened. So they began to collect an offering. And notice what happened as the people were looking towards God. Notice with me Exodus 36 and verse number 5. And they spake to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave a commandment and they ceased it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary so that the people were restrained from bringing. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. What happened is that you had a group of people. By the way, this generation, like no other generation, had watched God work. They watched the plagues go upon Egypt. They saw the Red Sea. They watched God every day bring manna from the sky. They have seen uh, water come from the rocks in the middle of the desert. No other group of people have witnessed God's provision and God taking care of them. And out of a grateful heart, out of a willing heart, of a cheerful heart, they said, we've watched God supply for us. We know without a doubt that God can supply for us, and he does do the miracles. We don't have manna coming from the sky. That'd kind of be nice from time to time. Probably be Roma noodles in our safes, but it came down, it supplied. They watched God supply, and so they said, we don't have any problems giving because we know God will supply. And the people gave. By the way, the supplies that came in in order to build just the tabernacle was equivalent to $1 million in today's economy. 
Now this is 3,000 plus years ago with a bunch of people that didn't have full-time jobs, that did not punch a time clock, that did not get a paycheck, and they gave a million dollars worth of stuff. God is able to work. What a wonderful God that we have. May I show one more principle here dealing with this idea? Now again, it all stems because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his all for us. Look with me if you don't mind in the gospel record of Luke chapter 6. God gave his all. The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That God gave Jesus to die on the cross for you and to die on the cross for me. You know what we have? We have a God who is a giver. You know what God did not do? He did not say, no, it's mine. My son, you can't have him. God gave of a cheerful heart and said, this is what's necessary. Because I love you too, I'm willing to give of my son. So that way you could have eternal life. He's a giver. But notice this principle as we're finishing up. They gave so much. Notice what God gives us as a principle in the gospel record of Luke chapter 6. And notice with me verse 38. The gospel record of Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men put Give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Here God gives this principle of reaping and sowing. It says give, and guess what? It should be given to you. But not just given, but notice how God's going to give back. He's going to be pressed down. I want you to imagine that you have an old thing of flour, okay? And imagine, if you don't mind, you have a container, and God says, I'm going to give it back to you. But I'm not just going to kind of just heap it on top. I'm going to press it down. So I'm going to get this thing and I'm going to press it down. So that way we can get more room for you. Get more stuff into it. And then it says, press down, shake it together. So now you take it and you shake it and you let it settle even more into it. And then it says, and then running over. So after it's pressed down and shaken and then pressed down and shaken, then he puts even more on top of it. Then notice what he gives. And It says, and running over. So now it's just overflowing. Shall men give into your bosom. Notice this. God said he's going to use other human instrumentality to be a blessing to you. God uses other. This is how God gives. There is no such thing as money trees. There is no such thing as rain uh, money just falling from heaven. But God uses human instrumentality to supply the needs of other people of God's children. He's able to use it. Then it says, for the same measure that you meted out with all, it shall be measured to you again. What God wants you to be is a conduit, a channel, that he wants to put water into you. And if you could imagine having a pipe, he wants to put water into you so it flows out. It flows through you and goes out, flows through you and out. What happens if you cap? the end of the, um, the, the pipe. Well, then you can't put any more water. It tops off. It doesn't flow in there. God says, I want to be it so I can put more into you so you can give more out, more into you so you go out, and I want it to flow. And I want to use you as a human instrumentality. I'm going to give to you, you give to, other, to, to me, to uh, other things, and go on and go on. 
God says, I want to take care of you. Now, again, we have to hit messages like this. It's necessary. It's next up. It's what the Bible says. But God wants to bless us. God does not need your money. I know after a message like this, you may say, well, it sounds like God doesn't need your money. God owns everything. He'll supply it some way or another. But God wants to use you and he wants to bless you because of it. God wants to take care of it. He wants to show you what he could do. He is a great God. Now, as a application, what do we do with such things? Well, we have an opportunity as we're reaching the end of the year. We're having what we call the Christmas gift of Jesus. What I would like you to do is for you to be used as a human instrumentality. And I want you to go to the Lord and pray and say, God, what would you have me to do? I'm not asking you to do something from your own imagination. And I'm not asking you to do something uh, that you come up with. I'm asking you to go to the Lord and just be obedient to what he tells you to give. That's easy. Knowing that if you're obedient to God, God will take care of you. But as you give, God will bless it. Little as much when God is in it. And God can supply the needs. He could do so much more as we want to try to use this to be a good testimony for our building. We want to do some things. Now again, this is a special offering. It's above and beyond the tithe. It's something outside of budget. But we want to prove the Lord. We want to see what God is going to do. And we're not trying to squander this. We're not trying to say, pastor needs a new car. It doesn't go to me whatsoever. What it's doing is trying to take care of the Lord's uh, house, the building that we are assembling in at this current time to be a good testimony to those that are without. So that way people would say, you know what? They care. They think their God is real. They try to take care of the things of the Lord. There's something about being a good testimony. And so that's the application I want to give to you today is I want to double dog dare you to put God to the test. I want you to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And watch as God gives you something, but then God will also supply your lack. He will supply it. And then watch what God does as everyone is used of God and see what God will do. Put God to the test. So simply what I'm asking you to do as an application for our church folks is I want you to go to the Lord and pray, God, what would you have me to do concerning this special offering? And you have time. It's, we've got another month before the offering comes up. So you have time to talk to the Lord, time to pray, time to really discern from the Lord. We're not asking you to make last minute decisions, but I want you to take your time with the Lord. And then I would like us to see what would happen when God blesses as we give unto the Lord and see what God does. What a great God. Put him to the test for yourself. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. 
there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.